Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today, we have a return guest, and I am thrilled uh, to have him and stoked about this topic. And so, uh, Mr. Josh Hadley is coming back for round two on the show. Josh is the CEO of Hadley Designs, and he's the host of the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Check that out wherever you like to consume your podcasts. And so today, it's going to be kind of fun. We're Since we're both podcast hosts, we thought it'd be really interesting to kick off the show sharing a few takeaways that we've gathered from our brilliant guests in recent weeks and recent months. And then we're going to dive into the topic of hiring management level talent from overseas, which I think is something we all need to consider and all need to look at. So with that, uh, Josh, welcome to the show, man. And, and how you doing? Brett, it's good to be back here. Uh, I saw you just last week too. And so this is this is great. We went a few uh, months without talking to each other and now it's back to back. So this is <laughs> yeah. fun. Yeah, I think it was like a, uh, maybe a couple of years we didn't go <laughs> we went without talking. And then, yeah, we ran into each other at CellarCon in Austin. I had a chance to speak there. got to chat with you a couple of times. Awesome to see you. And uh, yeah, man, it sounds like you and your wife, your business is exploding in, in all the best ways. And so uh, I'm going to mention, you know, people need to go back and listen to the episode where I had you and Becca both on the show. That was episode 151. That was over 100 episodes ago. Holy cow. Uh, that was in uh, February of 2021. But you guys tell the story. You guys are like just the cutest, this awesome husband and wife team. <laughs> but do you want to talk a little bit about what you guys sell and kind of the, the growth you guys have had? And then we're going to get into the the content for today. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing, you know, as we were just kind of reminiscing of the last time we talked, um, you know, that was over two years ago now. And man, our business has completely changed in, in a good way, right? And we've continued to double down on what's working and we've seen great results because of that. But, uh, you know, ultimately our business started as a custom wedding invitation business and has since pivoted to a stationary empire. We have over 1,200 different uh, SKUs that we sell primarily on Amazon. And, uh, you know, we crossed the eight figure mark at the end of last year, which was, which was fantastic. And so, yes, we're, and we still have a lot more room to grow as well. We, we see a bright future ahead of us and we're very optimistic. Love it, man. And, and your designs are awesome. Uh, Becca, your wife is extremely talented. You're a brilliant uh, entrepreneur, strategist, business mind. And so you guys just, you guys just work great together. Uh, so excited to see where you go and where you grow from here and uh, happy to have insight and, and to kind of watch you guys do that. So uh, let's do this. So so Ecom Breakthrough Podcast, first of all, how do you like hosting a podcast? Was it was Is it as fun as you thought it would be? It, was it, is it, has it been harder than you thought it would be? Kind of give folks at home the scoop who are maybe thinking, I'd like to host a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, for myself... It, to me, I'm I'm in my zone when I'm talking to people and yeah. uh, interviewing people. Like that's my favorite thing. Here's here's what I love about having a podcast. If I if we're just at dinner, right, Brett, and I'm talking to you about your business, and I just continue to ask you 21 questions, you're like, bro, like <laughs> this is getting weird. Like, why do you keep why do Back you want off, to keep diving bro. down so deep? But in a podcast, it's almost like it's what you're supposed to do. You're yeah. it's like. Dude, just keep going deeper and deeper. There was one podcast uh, guest that I had on Howard Ty, and uh, you know the strategies that he ended up sharing on the podcast. He's like, D 
dude, you made me spill the beans. Like, this is the stuff I share in my mastermind group. But like, you just kept probing further and further. And, and, and so anyways, I love that the podcast just gives you like an excuse to like really get like the juiciness um, and real actionable tips and strategies uh, from the guests. So for me, it, selfishly, I'm the one jotting down, I think, most of the notes, yeah. even more than the listeners. But yeah, I, I totally agree. It's one of those phenomenal vehicles to connect with the really smart people and and spend time with them. And yeah, learn from them and then pass that on, share that with others. And so, yeah, this is, uh, uh, just look back. So yeah, 200 and we're 250 plus episodes and been doing this since 2017. Uh, so I'm kind of addicted to it. I like it. Um, so yeah, glad, glad, to, glad to have you joining the fold of podcast hosts. It's a, well, it's a fun. Brett, trip. if you recall... You were the one I asked about what it would take to get a podcast started back up when we were right. in War Room. Remember That's that? That right. was like back in the war four room years days. ago. Yeah, I want to say, and I was like, Dang. "Do you like it? Is it worth it?" And you're like, "Yeah, dude, you should just start <laughs> yeah. one and see what happens." And just, here just we are. It. And here you are. Okay, awesome. So uh, excited about that. Let's dive into what are let, let's. We're going to each share three big takeaways from recent episodes that we've gotten. Just little nuggets of inspiration, truth e-commerce goodness, that sort of thing. So what is your first takeaway? Yeah, so I had uh, Destiny Wishon from Better AMS on the podcast. Uh, I got to hang out. We, she was at, she was in Austin at, at Silicon as well. I got to hang out with her, yeah. Yep, she was. One of the biggest kind of like mindset shifts that I got from recording that episode with her, which our team has really adopted at this point, is doubling down on the keywords where our conversion rate on our products is better than the market average. And so what she shared was a new Amazon brand metrics. <laughs> Amazon's coming out with so much data, it's hard to keep up. You've got search query performance, you got brand analytics. Well, now this is brand metrics, and this is located in the advertising console, not in Seller Central. On the ad console, you need to go down to ad metrics, and then you can get pretty far down in like your product categories and you can see what the market average is for like your conversion rate and so take your ppc conversion rate for you know whatever particular keywords you're advertising for and see which keywords you're winning and where you have a higher conversion rate than the market average and then all it's just a matter of like pay to play at that point just keep doubling down on those and you'll watch your um, organic rankings increase we have seen that work since we've been making those adjustments in our business. So that has been super interesting. And, and it totally yep. makes sense because Amazon is motivated to sell more stuff. And that's like the key, the key metric, right? That Amazon looks at to determine ranking is you're obviously looking for relevance, the keyword match, but the greatest signal of that is, is someone buying after they type in that keyword. And so looking at what's converting above average through your ads doubling down on the organic side. Love that idea. Uh, and shout out to Destiny. Good seeing you uh, in Austin. Awesome. So uh, the one I'm going to share is this is from episode 230 of the Commerce Evolution podcast. Jordan Pine, he is a direct response TV veteran. So he's been working in the direct response TV world. You know, he knows like all the big names there. Uh, and so we were talking about how do you take lessons from direct response TV infomercials and translate that into success on YouTube or Facebook or any online advertising. And so, um, you know, we talked a little about Gensu Knives and that that famous ad, you know, where it cuts through the Pepsi can and then through the tomato and, you know, all these wild things. 
And, you know, he shared the numbers, the, the metrics behind infomercials. And this was fascinating to me. And I bet there's a lot of people out there that are like, how do they make money? You know, 19 bucks for this product. How does that work? Well, um, the breakdown is this. Uh, you know, they always push the phone number at the end of those commercials, but only about 20% of the audience or 20% of sales come from the phone. Not surprising for young people, but that's kind of the way that works. 30% comes from the website. So 30% of people visiting, you know, fancy whizbangpeeler.com, whatever, whatever the product is. And then 50% comes on Amazon, comes from Amazon. So people watching the infomercial, getting excited about it, and then just going to Amazon to find it. And that's why, and I've seen this now, I was kind of alerted to this after the interview. I've seen a few infomercials where at the end they say, not available on Amazon. So don't Interesting. go. Don't go because you'll go and buy something else and not our product is not available on Amazon. So this was just a reminder to me of anything we're doing top of funnel, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, not, not infomercials per se, but just anything we're doing, we're going to drive traffic to Amazon. And so you got to have your Amazon game dialed in as well. And it's also a reminder that top of funnel efforts drive action at the bottom of the funnel. So shout out to Jordan Pine. Awesome. What is your takeaway number two? Yeah. So I think coinciding with that takeaway there from Jordan is I learned this from Mina Elias from the Trivium Trivium Group. I think you had Mina on your podcast as well, right? I know him. I don't think he's been on the podcast, but I do know him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Mina, what he shared, uh, he has a lot of experience in uh, selling supplements on Amazon and also advertising as his own agency as well. So one thing that he shared, which I thought was fascinating, is as he was working on his supplement brand, one of the things he did is he reached out to somebody that created like sales funnels, right? Like your one-click add-to-cart type stuff, your Russell Brunson, you know, click funnels type of stuff, right? And what he did is he reached out to this guy and had him set up a bunch of different funnels. And long story short, the funnels didn't end up working out, but here's what he learned from the process. The person that was managing the funnels was just constantly making one tweak at a time. It was changing up the images, changing up the copy, and just testing. Test, 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 test. And long story short, what he ended up doing is how that has impacted the clients that he works with, as well as his own brand. And he said time and time again, the one test that like continues to work the best for us is switching out your main image. And you need to just keep testing and testing and testing that main image because that is the biggest indicator or the biggest like conversion rate lift mover out of all the tactics that you could do on Amazon. And it's so simple, but most people just set it and forget it, right? I mean, it's only a white background image, but if you really look at it, there's a lot of different creative ways that you could implement that. And so since then, we have doubled down on our testing efforts. We've been using product pinion as well as PicFu to just understand what incremental like change can we make to the way that these cards are showing up or the way that it's angled. And we're seeing uh, some good performance of that as well. So it's a good mindset shift. Just simple tweaks can make a huge difference. Sometimes we make it too complex and sometimes we want to look for like the, the hidden secret or the, the hidden tactic or strategy that nobody's talking about. So we want to do it when sometimes it's just as simple as just keep testing that image because that is what drives decisions more than anything else on, on Amazon from a shopping point of view is 
does the image clearly communicate what this is, the quality, is it what I want, does it going to fit my needs? And so, yeah, tweaking that, testing that makes a ton of sense. That's really, really good. Cool. All right. So next one for me, this is from Liz Germain, episode 234, talking about YouTube organic growth. Now, I'm a YouTube ads guy. Always love YouTube ads. I like the YouTube organic side too. She's not my wheelhouse per se. But she came on and talked about kind of the four stages of organic growth on YouTube. And what's so cool is uh, she and her sister started this fitness channel years ago. They haven't posted any new content in like three or four years. She still makes a really nice income from, from, that, from that channel because some of the content ranks and it still gets views and it still gets engagement. So when you do YouTube organic right, it will get better over time, right? It's in some ways the opposite of TikTok or Instagram reels where they can you know really skyrocket and go viral quickly, but then they die a very speedy death. Uh, YouTube can can go viral too, but it often just ages and gets better over time. And so she talked about, you know, the metrics that, that YouTube loves the most. And I don't remember if this was the metric to rule all metrics, but I think it was. Go back and listen to the episode just to make sure. But it was, uh, you know, time viewed. So So YouTube is obsessed with how long are people consuming your content? And if they watch it halfway through all the way through like they're really engaging with the content that's what youtube cares about and they'll start they'll start feeding that content to more people if they find that the engagement or the view rate is is really high so check that one out and then i'm gonna go ahead and share two in a row because i want to i want to end with with your third one and then we'll we'll roll right into the the rest of the content but uh episode 231 this was my buddy will hughes we met each other when he was the head of growth at organifi and then we did an episode recently talking about Liquid Mind, and it's his process for creative problem solving. And it was one of the most fun episodes. I've had a lot of people talking about this, sharing across the e-commerce forums and whatnot that everybody liked listening to Will. But one of the things he shared is that as business owners, we need to look at, and, and just as problem solvers, look for things that are undervalued and things that are overvalued, and then focus in on that and look for outsized opportunities. And so one of the examples he gave was the Oakland A's back in the the days when they set the the streak and when you know in the early days of Bill, Billy Bean and the movie Moneyball, what you know the era that that was based on. Have you seen the movie Moneyball, Josh? I have. Yeah, you're you're Such talking about movie. the old days when people actually cared to show up at Oakland A's games because uh, right now it's the opposite problem. <laughs> is is that I, I don't I don't follow baseball too closely. It's a, it's a great sport. I don't I don't follow closely. So, uh, yeah, this is back, I guess, in the in more of the glory days of, of the A's. But prior to Billy Bean kind of turning things around and go watch the movie Moneyball, it, it really showcases it. They were you know dumpster fire material. So what Billy Bean and this this baseball analyst played by Jonah Hill uncovered was that a metric that really matters in baseball that's undervalued is just on base percentage. It doesn't matter, like if you walk or whatever. Like if you get on base, if you get on base, that's what counts. Because really, as a manager, yeah. as a as someone building a baseball team, you're trying to manufacture runs. You're trying to buy runs, and so they had one of the lowest salary caps in baseball. You know, the Yankees were like 10x their salary cap, something crazy like that, or, or salary um, uh, payroll, and they were able to create like the longest winning streak in baseball regular season history and they had tremendous success because they found what was undervalued and they found like pitchers who had great numbers but looked goofy throwing the ball guys that walked a whole lot and got on base that nobody wanted and then they built this team 
of, of misfits, so to speak, and that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, they looked at what was undervalued, what was overvalued, and they uh, looked for outsized opportunities, which, which there's so many opportunities in our business like that if we train ourselves to look at it that way. Yeah. So I love that. I think that is such an important mindset shift. Um, as I, as I follow like Alex Hormozzi as well, like one of the things he's been doubling down on, um, in in a lot of his conversations, he talks a lot about, it's not how hard you work, right? How many motivational speeches do we hear? That's like, you got to burn, you know, the midnight oil, you need to sleep for four hours. And it's like, that's not it. It all comes down to leverage, right? Yes. And understanding where's your time best spent. There's way too many things that you could do in your business. So focus on the ones that when you pull the lever, actually provide an outsized return. So it kind of correlates with that same principle, but. Totally. Love it. Super. Awesome. So your takeaway number three, what do you got? All right. Takeaway number three. I had the chance to interview Michael E. Gerber. He was the author of the E-Myth. And I think most entrepreneurs have read that book, right? And it's transformational. I read it like three or four times back before we, right at the beginning of OMG, 2010, I read that book, consumed it over and over again, and like really shaped a lot of my, you know, uh, early strategy in OMG. Yeah. I mean, it, it truly is transformational and creates such a big mindset shift in an entrepreneur to understand, hey, I need to work on my business instead of in the business. And that's one thing that he, you know, talked about during that episode is like, hey, by the way, entrepreneurs, you don't own a business until that business can grow without you actively working inside the business. Yes. Right? And unfortunately, I'm guilty of that myself. Like I can't, I can't walk away and be like, come back a year from now and be like, sweet, our business has doubled in size. Now, that's what I'm trying to set up right now so that we can get to a point where the business is growing on its own because of the people that we have put in. Um, and one thing that he talked about and when, cause I followed up with a question like, well, based on your, you know, 50 plus years of experience, like of hiring people, like, how do you know how to identify a level talent? Right. And he was like, how, and he shared a fantastic analogy. So I'll ask you the question, Brett, how easy is it to become a Navy SEAL? I think it would be pretty difficult based on the fact that it's like an 80% failure rate or something. And it's usually pretty tough dudes who are, who are trying out to be a Navy SEAL. Yeah. It basically, it's the top of the top, right? Yeah. And they have a high failure rate and they don't just accept anybody. Okay. They don't just accept anybody, number one, but then number two, you actually have to go through a boot camp and training camp before you will even become a Navy SEAL, right? And it is yep. terrible. And that's basically the analogy. They have to go through hell and back in order to make it as a Navy SEAL, right? And so similarly, he said, that's the type of process you need to implement in your business. And so that is what we have done. We have a, I would like to say, a very rigorous um, hiring process um, as we hire management level staff overseas we're able to filter from thousands of applicants and find genuinely like a level talent to a point where honestly, people that have come to work with us have been like, I have never been through such a difficult hiring process. And I've worked for companies such as 
IBM, uh, Mercedes-Benz, uh, Coca-Cola, right? Like those are the companies where like even our process is more thorough and it's provide, in my opinion, outsized returns in our business because of the team members we've been able to yeah, now, do you want to clarify a little bit? So are you like, are you like screaming at, at prospects and yelling at them drill sergeant style, making them do push-ups? Them run and through the mud, hold their breath the underwater. Water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fake that. drowning them, something <laughs> like that. Uh, no, but I, I do like the idea of making the process difficult. And it is interesting. And and I love that comparison, actually, that, hey, it was easier to get a job at, at, at Coca-Cola or IBM or whatever than work for you. But you know, businesses our size and we're, we're not small and you guys aren't small, but when you got a team of 50 or 70 or whatever, like every new hire is really important. And so you, you got to get it right. And especially if, if you got 15 or 20, like every new hire is so critical. So yeah, we do, we do a round of four interviews. We do a team interview. We do exercises, we do personality profiles, like, and we still don't get it right every time. But at the end of it, you're like, I've got a pretty clear picture of who this person is. And if we didn't scare them off or run them off yet, like they're probably a pretty good fit for the team. So uh, love that. And, uh, Hey, that's a perfect transition. Let's talk about hiring management level talent from overseas. Um, you know, we, we're a U.S. based company, but, but we, we do have a couple of support people that are overseas that have been phenomenal and amazing, but you've taken it one step further. You've got, you got management level team members overseas. So talk to me a little bit about the why, and then let's get into the how, how you've done it. Yeah. I think the why is the fact that, you know, inside the U.S., salaries are only increasing. We saw a Big huge time. spike in salaries from COVID, right? And the great resignation, then everybody was just like, how much more can you pay me, right? And so now generally, and in addition to that, you've got inflation. So like salaries are way up high, higher than they've ever been, and they ain't coming back down. Nope, nope. So what do you do? If you want to go find some kick butt managers that actually are worth a darn, right? Then you've got to go pay top dollar to attract them. Well, I kind of took that approach and thought, hey, I do want to pay top dollar, but I don't want to pay top dollar in the US. So I'm going to go pay top dollar in the Philippines, in Mexico, anywhere else where, you know, there's a greater, uh, you know, arbitrage, so to speak, in terms of th those salary gaps. Okay. So, that's that's the reason behind it is we wanted to pay top tier to attract top tier talent, but we didn't want to afford U.S. based salaries. So that's number yep. one. Um, so what did we do? Um, it, well, and then kind of the other reason why behind that is early on, we at now have 25 team members on our team. But early on, when we were hiring our first like kind of our core team members that joined us were an R&D manager to help with research and development of new products and then a project manager okay those were like honestly some of our first hires yeah. they are still Critical with us hires. whoa still with and us those, both those team members are overseas is that correct both of them are overseas and they are absolutely crushing it and here's the difference maker i hired them knowing that okay i'm probably paying maybe a little bit more than what i could be paying somebody else to fill this specific role right here, right now. But what I did is, okay, I'm willing to afford a little bit more in order to hire management level staff right now that can grow as the business grows rather than I think, and here's what we hear all the time. Hiring people overseas is not new. That's not a revolutionary For idea. Sure. Everybody talks about, oh, go get yourself a VA from the Philippines. 
I don't talk about hiring any v VAs. Um, we actually go and hire like specialists and we go and hire like management level staff over in the Philippines, which I think is like your difference. So we're not talking three to $5 an hour team members. We're talking like 10, $15 an hour team members that can just crush it. Right. And these are going to be like very well educated individuals. So that's kind of like the background behind it all, Brett. So it ultimately comes down to like hiring really good people that are almost overqualified for the position to begin with, but that can grow with you as your business grows. So yeah. Does that make sense for it totally makes sense? And why? I think it's, it's one of those things where there's just there's so much talent overseas that's often overlooked, or maybe they're just not getting the opportunities that they want. And so you could come in, pay them a, an amazing wage for what they're doing. Um, but you're finding yeah, management level people. And I think you know, some of the, some bigger corporations have under, understood this. You know, Google as an example, and we've got, you know, at any given time, five or so dedicated Google reps that that work with OMG. And and some of our favorite reps, the smartest, the most talented. The most helpful, you know, were overseas. Were and and most of them like lived and worked in San Francisco, but they were hired actually from overseas and then moved. And so, you know, companies are doing this now. Um, but but you can do it too. Is kind of the the takeaway. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with performance max or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on resources and guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show. And so let's walk through then, I think you had mentioned you have a seven step process or something. I don't know if we'll have time to get into all seven steps or whatever, but what are, what are some of the, the steps or the how to, to go about doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll share the seven steps. I'll kind of go through each of them. So we make sure we cover all seven before we, we tune out or of the podcast here today. Yeah. But um, if you want to dive deeper, just let me know. So step number one is you need to first understand who you should actually be hiring, okay? And as an entrepreneur, one of the best things you need to do, and you should do this regularly, probably once a quarter, is do a two-week time study where you're writing down in 15-minute increments what you are doing during those 15 minutes. Sounds painful and tedious for two weeks, and it is, but you're going to come back from those two weeks and you're going to have a very clear picture of where you're spending the majority of your time. And so that's kind of how we've built our team, right? We didn't just go out and hire 25 team members overnight. This was, we identified where was I spending most of my time. So we talked about research and development manager and then a project manager as our first um, hires. Why? Because I spent most of my time looking for new product ideas on Amazon. And then secondly, I spent the rest of my time just coordinating of, hey, we've got this product idea. We need to do keyword research. We need to set up PPC campaigns. And I was the one having to set all of that stuff up. But I had to kind of like refine this process of like, how do we go from idea all the way to like this product is launched on Amazon? 
And so I identified those as like the two key roles. And then we started creating processes and bringing those team members in. So likewise, uh, as soon as I hired them, I was able to then fill my time bucket up with something else. As soon as I spent most of my time on PPC, then we outsourced it to an agency and we recently brought it in-house, right? And so it was just like step by step by step getting to where we are. And so that's why like conducting time studies on an ongoing basis will reveal to you who you can bring in that will provide, you know, we talked about that leverage, a leverage of your time will make an outsized return. So that's step number Love one. That that makes sense? Time, yeah. Time studies sounds a little bit painful, but one, you're going to, you're probably uncover ways you can work better and work more efficiently, but then two, it's going to show you yeah, who do you need to hire. And if you hire this role to take away this stress or this amount of time from your, your day, what more could you focus on to get done? Uh, love that. So step one, understand who you should be hiring. What's step two? Step number two is you need to get clear with how you are going to track whether that person you hire is succeeding or failing in their role. So how do you do this? You need to establish KPIs, key performance indicators for that role. Now, here's a quick hack for you. If you're trying to figure out, hey, what's a good, what are some good KPIs for an Amazon PPC manager? There's no better place to start than ChatGPT these days just to get some ideas, right? It doesn't mean that that's the Bible and that's the truth and that's what you should use, whatever ChatGPT spits out, but use it as inspiration. It will give you some really good ideas and then customize them to your business. But they need to be those smart goals, right? They need to be specific. They need to be measurable. At the end of the day, you need to be able to track and say like, yes, our tacos are below 15%. Yes or no? And so that team member knows for themselves, I'm A, either winning or I'm B, failing, right? And it's clear for them and it's also clear for you. And it aligns you and that team member to make sure you're going down the right path. So that's love that. step yeah, number and two. What's so important about that is I think all good employees want to know. They want to know, how am I doing? Are you pleased? Am I on the right track? Am I meeting obligations? And and ambiguity or not being clear on all that stuff that really decreases satisfaction and decreases results. So love the the practice of KPIs. I'm a big fan of the book Measure What Matters by John Doerr. And he was at Google and he kind of talks about the KPI KPI and, and OKRs, the objectives and key results. KPIs are key performance indicators. But you know, he talks about this process of, hey, when you have that right, it, it creates alignment and accountability and learning and improving and it just it just makes such a difference you get the right person clear expectations you measure it you talk about it uh the performance is going to be really really strong so love that love that just Um, like you talked about i mean here's the key it's not only going to help you and your business but that's how you attract a level talent right because A-level talent doesn't want to go apply for a job that it sounds like oh, they have no idea what they're doing. Exactly. Like, they don't, you know? They, yeah, exactly. It's like you, you, people want to join a winning team. And yep. you know, play, A players don't want to play for coaches that don't have their stuff together. Like people may yeah. hate Bill Belichick or maybe like he's not my buddy, but I, I play my best when I'm with him. And obviously you, you don't have to be a, a, a ruthless or a jerk to, to make things work, but but having a system and having KPIs and having OKRs, that that makes a big difference. So, all right, awesome. Point number three. Yep, so step number three, this is piggybacking off of step number two. But take those KPIs and create a compelling 
job description, right? And make sure your KPIs are KPIs are part of that job description so that, again, you're attracting the right A-level talent. And then you're going to post this job post. But here is the secret in step number three. Most people, it's just kind of like that build it and they will come mentality. Post the job and they will come. False. Okay? You need to put on your sales hat and myself having a sales background. I'm not one to stand idly by. Um, And so as soon as we post a job, and we'll post it on Upwork, onlinejobs.ph, we'll do Indeed, and then we'll do like Workable, and they've got a new AI thing that's been pretty cool. So um, with Upwork, we will go in, and on Upwork, you can set up your filters. You know, what's the rate you want to be paying somebody? What country do you want them to be from? And then you can type in, like, I want a PPC manager, right? Type it in, and it's going to have like a list of probably thousands of people that meet those specifications and, and your filters that you set up. And then you can individually invite every single one of those guys to apply for your position. And we don't spend the time looking at their resume or their background. This is a spray and pray approach, so to speak, where it's like we will invite thousands of applicants. We will do the exact same thing on onlinejobs.ph. They limit you to like reaching out to like 100 people per month or something like that. So we've opened up like numerous accounts at the same time, (laughs) all leading just to one same job post. Um, But it is, Matt, like we're going to get thousands of people to be aware of our job posting on Indeed. We just run the ads, right? So you can't actively promote there. Um, Workable Workable has a new AI where they've seen people's resumes that have applied for PPC jobs in the past. And they've stored them somewhere and you can actually reach out to those people that they have their contact information from and invite them to apply to your position. So that's kind of been a new development um, that's been pretty cool. So you do all of that. That's basically step number three is like post the job, write a compelling job description and then work your butt off. And this is probably not you as the entrepreneur, but ideally your executive assistant is now inviting thousands of people to apply. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And and yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, if you just if you just do the first step, you know, what are you gonna get? You get a few applicants, but but if you want the best, you gotta work, man. And uh yeah, love that, love that. Uh trying to get thousands of applicants. And then do you have a process and this may be a, a lead into step number four? I may be skipping steps, but do you have a way then how do you weed that down? Like how do you weed it down yeah. to a thousand? Yeah, everybody's like, Oh, I can't even imagine having a thousand applicants apply to my job, right? So yes, here is how we we go down from like a thousand applicants down to ten, right? And an entrepreneur listening to this episode, I want you to know that like all of this, you can create a process for. This is how it works for our business right now. Everything's SOP'd out to where we get a thousand applicants, and then I'm only looking at the top ten at the end of the day. That's it. That's my level of involvement, right? So this is something about that is though if you if you shoot for the thousand and then you narrow down to ten. That's going to be a way better 10 than if you'd only gotten 10 in the first oh, place. Oh, 100%. Or that mm. 10 is better than the 100, right? Yeah, like totally, totally. The higher the number is. So again, let's talk about the specifics. This is step number four. How do you start weeding out these 999 applicants, right? 990. So what we do immediately, my executive assistant, once somebody applies, she will immediately send them this canned response. Thanks for your application. Your background looks great. Can you please complete this assessment? Okay. Now, what this assessment is done through Criteria Corp. 
And the reason why is you don't have to pay per assessment. It's unlimited assessments, and that's the secret of, about it. And they have what's called an assessment. It's a personality assessment, and then it's like this cognitive um, aptitude test, right? And this is basically, it's an it's an IQ score in a way, but they've done through like their data analysis and data science, they've seen that candidates with higher scores typically end up um, with higher job performance overall, right? They've, you can read all their studies. So anyways, we've, we've relied on that number and so far it's been very helpful. So we'll set our threshold to like, we want people to be above the 70th percentile, right? And so that's going to weed out 90% of your candidates right there. You're going to go all the way down to like a thousand applicants down to a hundred. Okay. So that's step number four. Then moving into step number five is you're going to take these 100 applicants now that have passed your, I guess, we'll call it the IQ score at this point. You know that they speak good English because that's part of the test. You know that they have a personality that fits the job because that's part of the test, right? So all of these things are working in your favor. Here's the secret sauce of step number five. You need to create a test project that is a most similar like case study as you can mimic to what they will be doing in their role, okay? So in PPC, if I were hiring a PPC manager, I would download my latest you know report from Amazon and I would just feed it over to them and I'd be like, what can you find? Kind of like you guys do, Brett. Like you'll do like PPC audits, right? Yep, yep. Like I'm going to give it to them and say, hey, give me a PPC audit. What do you find working well? What do you find not working well? Um, and if you're coming up with this test on your own, like for example, like a supply chain manager, we've done this where it's like, we took some random SKUs and then we put in what we, you know, what the current uh, inventory stock is, what the velocity is, the lead time, who the manufacturer is, blah, blah, blah. And then we ask them like, what SKUs do you need to order now? What SKUs do you need to order later? And how many units should you be ordering, right? And so on and so forth. And then you should have the answer, right, to those results so that you can come back and, and review the test project and see like, do they know their stuff or do they not know your stuff? And typically what I have found, the people that crush it, that it's like, oh, well, you did 10 times better than I even did on this supply chain project, right, even right. myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I love that so much. Yeah. That, that was a game changer for us when we implemented that. And again, we, we are in the US, but I totally see how this, this translates anywhere. Um, put someone through an exercise because you're going to, you're going to find things that, you know, maybe, maybe the resume is great. Maybe the, maybe they're super smart, but maybe they really don't know what they're talking about when it comes to the position you're hiring for. And uh, the exercise will reveal that. And yeah, I can't recommend that highly enough. So it totally makes sense. So that's step five. What about step six? Yep. I'm going to just double down on step five real quick and saying yeah, one thing that I learned in my MBA, one thing, went to the University of Utah, one course and one statement that has continued to stick with me to this day is this. And this was from my organizational behavior class. They have proven across all businesses that the interview is the worst indicator of somebody's <laughs> likelihood of to succeed. So true. Period. So true. Because yeah. so many people can look good in an interview and BS their way through it, and then you've got a dud on your hands. Whereas, like yeah. a test project, you can't BS your way through it. Yep, yep. And and yeah, what is it? What does an interview really measure? It measures people that are just good communicators, which is important. But 
but it's not the the number one factor. And and yes, yeah, some of your rock star candidates might not interview the best, and some of the people that interview the best could be an absolute dud once they get in the business. So yeah, okay, awesome, love that. Step six. Step, yep, step six. So now we're gonna take these from one hundred that we send the test project to. About thirty three to fifty percent are actually going to do it. The rest aren't even gonna do it. Okay. So from those 33 to 50, uh, you are going to end up finding about 10 to 15 that are like really solid. On average, you'll get about 10 to 15 that you're like, all right, these are good. Here's what you need to do in step six. Set up a group interview and you do this in batches of five. This isn't a group interview with your company. You grab five candidates at a time and they are interviewing together with you. Okay, so they are interviewing kind of against each other. Now you're going to ask them like a series, of maybe four or five questions. You're going to ask the exact same question to each one. They'll just kind of go in line and, and talking about that. Um, but number one, you get to see like how they react under pressure um, and kind of like in a surprised environment. They're like, oh, this is, I've never this seen this weird. before. Right? This is high pressure, yeah. Um, especially especially in this case where, you know, uh, English is almost certainly their second language. And so, yeah, how do they communicate? under pressure and in a weird environment. Yeah, love this. And then the secret question we ask at the end is, all right, this may make you uncomfortable, but it's my favorite question to ask. You can't nominate yourself. So out of all of these candidates, who would you hire and why? <laughs> so Dude, now they're that is forced legendary. to pick somebody, right? From the group that's not themselves. And what wow. we found is that, you know, more often than not, like uh, we're batting a thousand percent right now, they've always identified the person that we end up like hiring. And wow. I think it's beneficial to the candidates too. I mean, most people are surprised. They're like, I've never done something like this, Yeah. but I actually like it because I'd never see who I'm competing against. And so yeah. if they and also, don't when you, the job, if you're the, if you're the, yeah. if you're the, one being interviewed in this group and you see, oh man, this, this person just nailed it. She did a perfect job. You get to see what she did. And so maybe you don't get the job. Maybe you lost out, but you got a front row seat to see how it's done and, and how other people perceive it. And man, that's, that's brilliant. I had not heard of that before, but I absolutely love that idea. Yeah. So Sweet. yes, for all those reasons, yeah, people, it's actually a good thing. The candidates I've never like, it's good for the candidates. Terrible. Too. They actually enjoy the process. Yeah. All right, last but not least, step number seven, we are going to do a one-on-one -on -one interview. And this is going to be where we follow the the top grading method here, right? And you do your threat of assessment or your threat of reference check here, right? Um, we have a lot of things that we ask people in this one-on-one -on -one interview, but to talk about it at a high level, what you're looking for is a pattern of success and promotion in their career history, even starting at a young age, even when they're in high school, were they the team leads in a sporting organization? Were they the captain or were they the club president? Um, because you will find those same people will naturally be the leaders that just kind of like come to fruition throughout their entire career, right? So yeah. you're looking for a pattern of success. And then number two, what you want to do is you want to use that thread of reference check with them. And here's like the specific questions you want to ask them. You say, hey, uh, all right, great. You worked at Coca-Cola. Who is your manager? Who is your direct supervisor at Coca-Cola? What's their name? Oh, it's John Smith. Okay. Thank you. When I reach out to John, and now I'm just kind of assuming the sale here, right? I'm just telling him, 
I'm going to be reaching out to John. I don't have his contact info yet. I'll get it from you. But when I reach out to John, I'm going to ask him to rate you on a scale of one to 10 and why. How will John rate your job performance on a scale of one to 10? And so it's kind of that truth serum question where it's like they can't BS you now because they know like, oh, crap, like what will John actually say is going to be what they're going to respond with. Then the next question we ask them is what will John say is an area of improvement for yourself? So it's a much better version than the what's your weakness? And then everybody spins it to some BS thing. My or I just care too much. Yeah, I, I, I work. I work too hard. I work, I work too much. nights and weekends. Yeah, I give too much to charity. Whatever. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's my weakness. I'm I'm trying to overcome it. Yeah. So you actually get down to understanding like what is actually something they need to improve upon, and then the last thing is what will John say is your greatest strength that you brought to the organization, and then Dude, at the end of best. the interview we'll email that that reference and just double check those answers, and yeah, that's yeah. it. Super good, man. Super good. We. Uh, you know, we do uh, several interviews in addition to the exercise and the, and a couple personality profiles. I think one of the things that that shifted our interview process is getting people to talk about experiences. Like, yeah, don't t- I hate the question. Like, tell me your greatest strengths. What are your greatest weaknesses? Blah blah blah. But like, hey, what's a tell me about a time when you disagreed with a previous manager? What was it about? What did you do? And how did that resolve? Or what about when you were asked, tell me about a time when you were asked to do something that didn't meet your standards. What did you do? And and then you can just kind of tell like, hey, does that ring true? Is that, you know, what is that like? So lots of tell me about a time when. And we we love the, like a, a resource I'll mention, Amazon talks about, the, they uh, call it the Bar Razor program where they look at anybody we hire in, for a, a given department or role, will they raise the bar meaningfully in that department? Because mm-hmm. what often happens is you hire somebody and then, you know, they hire someone, you know, if you're not in charge of hiring anymore. And sometimes the, the quality of the candidates gets worse, you know, as you go. Uh, but you got to look at, hey, each new hire, how can they raise the bar? And um, I like yeah, that. Dude, I, I love this approach. And I think this is going to be a fit for a lot of people. There's some amazing, amazing management level uh, candidates out there uh, globally. And so this is a way to get in touch with them. Well, uh, Josh, this has been fantastic. Love sharing the insights and takeaways from our podcasts and those seven steps for hiring talent overseas is amazing. Um, how can people check out the podcast and how can people get in touch with you if they're so inclined? Yeah, it definitely encourage people to go check out the podcast Ecom Breakthrough. That's Ecom with two M's. Go to your preferred uh, podcasting platform of your choice. Um, and then we also have our website, ecombreakthrough.com. And if people want to reach out to me, they can do so at josh at ecombreakthrough.com. And would love to hear from your listeners. And I do like a free strategy audit um, once a month. So if people want to throw their hat in the ring and have me take a peek inside their business, I can do that as well. Awesome. So definitely check that out. Uh, you, you can tell just by those tips how sharp Josh is at running businesses and growing businesses. And so definitely check out the podcast. Uh, I'm just curious... So uh, what what is your preferred podcast app? So when Josh Hadley, podcaster, is listening to other podcasts, what do you what do you listen on? Well, I originally started out by listening on Apple Podcasts, but then for whatever reason, maybe it was my phone, but the app just became so glitchy, it would like freeze all the time. And so then I transitioned over to Google Podcasts. But now I'm having the exact same problems with Google. So now I'm back onto Apple. So 
I haven't touched Spotify yet, though. So what about you? I haven't used Spotify either. I know several people that use Spotify. I know, uh, or actually, no, I don't know anyone. I just hear, I hear that YouTube podcasts are growing. That's the way people are consuming it. I've never tried Google Podcasts. I don't like the Apple Podcast app. I just don't. Uh, I'm an I'm an Overcast fan. So Overcast is a podcasting app. It's available on, you know, for iTunes, and I'm I'm a, a, an Apple and Mac user. It's it's awesome, but it's also available on Android. So Overcast, that's my podcast app of choice. So there you go. I love it. Awesome, man. Well, Josh, this has been fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. And hey, a little preview. I'm going to be on your show in the fall. So people need to get up up to speed now, listen to the podcast now. And then, hey, I'll be a guest here in a few months. Looking forward to having you on my show. Awesome. Thanks, Josh. We'll have to do it again sometime. And as always, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of on the show? If you've not done it already, we'd love that review on iTunes. Makes my day. Also helps other people discover the show. And uh, also connect with me on the socials. I'm getting pretty active on LinkedIn. Marginally active on Twitter. I am there. Uh, Or look me up on Facebook. Would love to connect with you on the socials. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.